Hey, what's up? This is Seth Mosley, and you're listening to the Full Circle Music Show, the why of the music biz. How's it going? This is X O'Connor, and today we have with us Tyler Bryant, a massive guitar player with some serious musical skills. Tyler Bryant and The Shakedown is his band's name. You may have seen him on tour with bands like ACDC or Guns N' Roses. Not sure if you've ever heard of those or not. Maybe Aerosmith. I don't know. Aerosmith. If you're, if you're into that kind of thing. Perhaps even Eric Clapton. Yeah. <laughs> Craziness, man. For any of you who are fans of just legit, no frills, amazing musicality, this band is unmatched. Yeah, it's all out rock and roll. I mean, it's the absolute epitome of just pure rock. I mean, these guys just lay it all down, and they're some of the hardest working individuals I think maybe we've ever come across. That's why I loved this interview, because a lot of the folks that we've talked to sort of have lived in the top 40 radio, you know, right down the middle kind of lane. But what I love about Tyler and the career that he's built is that it's without any of that. Yeah, absolutely. He literally has waited for nobody. Whenever he sees an opportunity, he just takes it and they just work hard and literally take every opportunity they get passed to them. And because of that, they're playing in front of 100,000 people with ACDC and stuff like that. It's mind-blowing with no record label record out and not a lot of help at radio at all. It was really inspiring to me and I think to a lot of our listeners who are tuning in every week are maybe feeling like, well, where do I fit in in this lane? Because I hear about all these people trying to go after radio and it's such a small, it's almost like a pinhole size format where like, well, how do you fit in that? And what do you do if you don't fit in that? I feel like this show answers that question. Yeah, it was definitely the most different interview that we've done because these guys really do find a lot of comfort and a lot of success being on the road, putting in the time in front of crowds and connecting their music with people. And they talk about touring Europe where they'd never even been before and they play a huge show with ACDC and then the next night they book a small club because they've got the night off and tons of fans from the show with ACDC flock to this club and they're packing all these clubs around Europe with literally no radio play or anything, nothing out there other than just word of mouth and them putting out the music and just working it. Yeah, so if you're an artist out there who feels like you don't fit right down the center, Keep doing what you're doing is the message of this show. Yeah, Just, absolutely. You can totally build an amazing career and sometimes an even more amazing career yeah. and potentially long lasting. I'm not saying one way's right or wrong. I'm just saying this is the way that Tyler's done it. And I think it's really inspiring for a lot of people out there. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to hearing it again. Yeah. So let's jump into our interview with Tyler Bryant live from Full Circle Music Studios in Franklin, Tennessee. We're here with Tyler Bryant of Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown. Yep. Love it. The greatness. And I've spilled coffee on my white shirt. Oh, no. Always. <laughs> this is why I cannot wear white. Always joke with my wife. I do not want anything other than black. Yeah. And she's just like, that's depressing. So <laughs> that's why I'm wearing a white shirt today. And <laughs> you, could, you might be able to compromise and go like a mocha color or something. Yeah, mocha, coffee, yeah, coffee a color. Coffee shade. A khaki, <laughs> National Geographic. Mm-hmm. So... What I'd love to talk about today, because we talked a little bit yesterday, we've been in the studio writing a little bit, and mm -hmm. you're, you've just been playing us some of your new record, which is amazing. Thank yep. you very much. Self-produced. Yeah. 
in your house. Yep. Marshall's in the kitchen. Marshall's in the kitchen. Where else would they go is the question of the <laughs> well, day. Well, the thing is, they are other places. There's just a <laughs> lot of Marshall's in my house. We, uh, That's where they congregate. So we did the world tour with ACDC last year. Yeah. And oh, Which, by the way, I need to stop and say, on that tour, you played my soccer team's home stadium. Mm. Yeah. The Etihad Stadium in Manchester, England. I got. He told me that earlier. I literally got goosebumps. That's so I got funny. Goosebumps when he told me. That. <laughs> okay, so sorry to interrupt. Sorry to interrupt. But so we thought we had big amps, amps like equipped. We felt well equipped to play a big outdoor soccer stadium yeah. or a big open field. Yeah. And then we realized like we're not equipped. You know, like I remember the first like the first European show where it was outside of the arenas yep. and it was. Because on the arenas, we were using quarter-inch cables, you know, and it's like, you know, still a big stage, but it's like 20,000 people versus 70 to 100,000 people. And so I was like, I see why people use wireless systems, (laughs) (laughs) and I see why Angus uses 1,900-watt amps or whatever it is. Yeah. 1,900-watt? Yeah, it's no joke. It's the loudest thing you've ever heard in your life. (laughs) Holy! Cow. So you come off stage and then you hear that getting cranked. Oh uh, like, yeah, wow, that so, is significantly so I hit up, louder. I hit up my buds at Marshall. I was like, "We need some amps. We need some, you know, some muscle behind yeah. what we're doing." That's <laughs> amazing. So what I love about your story, we've got to chat a little bit yesterday. Is you kind of live somewhere between formats. I mean, we talk a lot about radio. We talk a lot about kind of the modern music industry and how influenced by radio it is, particularly in the states, right? What I've heard from you is you've just been like, screw it, we're going to Europe and we're going to go tour with ACDC and Guns N' Roses and we're just going to do whatever we want to do. Right. And you're making a living at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So talk a little bit about that. I mean, has that been a struggle to sort of, you know, find where you guys fit in? Of course, of course, because, I mean, it has and it hasn't because we kind of, the one thing I really love, you know, I'm grateful to be in the band with the shakedown because we're always there to go like, hey, would the 15-year-old version of yourself like be down with you right now? Would it get behind mm. this song? And so our band, I feel like, is rooted in integrity. It's it's all about, do we believe in this? Would this music excite us? Because that's the only way that we're going to be able to perform it live and excite our fans and the people who, you know, put emotional stock in what we do. And so we've had a lot of discouraging meetings with, you know, we just got off, we just got out of our record deal with Universal Republic yeah. and through John Barbados as well. And it was a thing where they have one of the best radio teams in the world and they kill it if you give them what they need. And so they're going like, they start saying words like active rock or yeah. I'll turn it and I'm like, what? Like, what the heck is active rock? Yeah. I said <laughs> like, the same thing one time. Work, just workout like, I, rock? Mm-hmm. I just don't know. So I, I start listening to, you know, like active rock radio and alternative rock. And we're sort of in a place where we're not quite hard enough for active rock. Yeah. Or it's too 90s or it's too, too much guitar or it's... It's too raw. Yeah. Or it's not enough. It's the wrong sounding guitar. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's like... Fender Princeton rather than Mesa Treadplate or whatever it is, yeah. you know, for all yeah. you nerds out there. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then for alternative rock, we're too hard. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? So it's yep. it's this weird place where we're in the middle and we go like, okay, do we chase this 
like the trends that are happening now or do we do what we do and do it the best that we can and make like jump in the pool with our arms and our legs like full force and try to make the biggest splash on our own and hopefully set our own trend. And that's what we've chosen to do. And, you know, it'll either work in a big way or it won't. And that's the thing is we just have to make the music that we love and believe in and thank God that we've, you know, ended up on great tours because that's, we've realized that we're a live band and that, and that's how we make a living, Yeah, you know? And, you know, I mean, the, First single off the Wayside EP, it was our last release under Universal Republic. They got that song to do pretty well on Active Rock, but it was like a big, you know, it was like Rudolph's nose yeah. in a line of <laughs> 30 of songs where just people were like, what is this song that we're listening to? Which can be a good thing. Yeah. It can be, yeah. Was it not for it, you guys? It was okay. I mean, it got to like, I don't know, it was like high 20s yeah. on the billboard rock, active rock charts for like a month or something mm. like that. it wasn't a long time and it didn't you know do what they were hoping it wasn't it an do. active rock smash and and we yeah. were going like are you guys surprised because i was gonna say even at 20 did it do anything to change how you guys were working at that time like did it just alternate like completely change your lifestyle where all these new doors opened or was it kind of like okay no it that happened no we didn't notice it at all yeah <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, you know, it was like, call this DJ. And then I would, I would end up talking to this DJ about the records he wished he could play. Yeah. And that's what would confuse me so much is because there's definitely a system to radio that I'm not really, we've talked about it a little bit, but I come from a blues background. Yep. You know, I learned to play from an old blues man in Texas. And, you know, even as a kid, I was offered a record deal and it was like, we're going to set you up with other kids and we're going to, you know, start a band. And I was like, no, man, I just want to play the blues. You know, I want to make, like, I remember like Lyric Street Records gave me a little $10,000 check to go make some recordings. I think they were legitimately upset when I handed them back like three Freddie King covers that I had made. <laughs> you know, it's like, what did you expect, man? Um, so, and, and I still kind of have that mentality where, I don't know if you guys ever have dove into this on your show I'm sure you have because it's something that I feel like a lot of our artists struggle with it's mixing art yeah. something that really moves you in commerce yeah let's eat and let's survive and so all we try to do in our band is have a little bit of both yeah you know yeah so touring has been your bread and butter and I mean let's just talk about that I mean how do you get invited out on an ACDC or Guns N' Roses tour without radio, without big number one chart-topping songs? It's hard to say, honestly. I think, one, you got to believe in what you're doing. You have to be convicted every time you put on a guitar, whether it's in a writing room, whether it's in a coffee shop. Yep. That's what, you know, I have kids ask me at our shows who have bands, like, how do you get on these tours? How do you get these shows going? And it's like, you literally play every show you get offered. Yeah. You, you know, I mean, whenever I was starting out, I had a fake email account <laughs> and I was the band's manager. <laughs> My name was like Sarah or something yeah. like this. And I represented <laughs> Tyler. This was before the shakedown. I represented Tyler Bryant. And What's the with, Spinal Tap manager? Yeah. Oh. yeah and, and it would, <laughs> the cricket bat. you know, and there was, there was another time where it's like, I literally called the box office of the House of Blues. This is when I was younger. I called them every single day until they finally told one of the booking agents, this guy won't stop calling. He wants to play. And he called me. He was like, dude, 
like, you can't call the box office and book a show. And I was like, but can you book me? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, send me some recordings. So I sent him some recordings and some videos and he put my band on for Dickie Betts. And then I called the Dallas Morning News and I was like, my band's playing, opening up for Dickie Betts of the Allman Brothers. I think you should come film it and do a story. Mm. And they did. And it's that kind of hustle that I think is, you know, what I've learned that we have to do because yeah, it's yeah. anytime we've waited on someone else to do something for us, we fall short. And so it's, I think those, it's funny because we were at CAA, the booking agency, for a long time, and they did great things for us. And after a, about a year and a half of not touring as much as we'd like, we thought, let's make a change. Let's move agencies. But we had such a good relationship with our agent that he'd become family, this guy named John Huey. Yeah. And so we left. We were on the road supporting Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top. Mm, yeah. And I get a call from Huey going, He's just like, I love you guys, and I wanted to know if it would be okay if I pitched you for the ACDC World Tour. Mm. And, of course, we said yes, but this yeah. is someone who's not our agent. Yeah. And so that's where, you know, maintaining relationships and always shooting people straight, and even if it's a tough conversation going, like, I think we have to move somewhere else because we're not getting the love here. You know, you guys, yep. they kill it with country acts out of Nashville and I'm sure that the rock department does great too we just weren't getting the love that we needed yeah. um, because maybe what we were doing didn't move them there but you know I think even when a relationship has to stop it doesn't professionally it doesn't have to stop emotionally and I think that's an, you know we're all from the south and believe in southern hospitality and shooting people straight even when it's a tough conversation and I think that's helped benefit our band mm. you know well, I, I love that because there's so many bands that we come across that are just constant complaining about their team. They're like, my label's not doing this. My manager's not doing this. We don't have our publisher getting songs on sync. Our publicist is not scheduling. It's just no. excuses and complaining about people not doing stuff for them. And what I'm hearing you say is like, screw that. Do it yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, I mean, it's like we just made our own record. And yeah. I called a few of the people from Universal Republic after we got out of our deal and it was sort of an, I think both parties were like, this isn't really working for us. We weren't giving them what they need to do what they do best. And they were like, you guys just aren't setting yourself up to win, you yeah. know? But I talked to a few people from the label who were like, wait, you guys aren't with us anymore? And it's like, hey, listen, you're always on the guest list at a Shakedown show. You yeah. guys come out. Yeah. Thanks for putting in the work, man, because it's hard to find people to work for you. And it's hard to find people who will work as hard as you will. So you have yeah. to do it yourself. Yeah. yeah. Or at least, you know, I mean, even like with when it comes to like making music videos or mm. setting up photo shoots or finding the direction, I feel like that has to come from the artist because yeah. it, I feel like a lot of artists fall short when they're waiting on someone else to show them the direction. Mm. Yeah. Truly, we've run across it a lot, but a lot of times, yeah, no one's going to work harder than yourself for what you need. And it's right. great to see that, you know, you've got the power and the drive to do that. And what I also love is that you kind of come at this from a different place than a lot of people we talk to in that you actually really like being on the road a lot and you want to be out a lot. Oh yeah, like, all how, the time. How does, how does that work like in your personal life and everything? Like, Does that affect it at all or is everyone you're surrounded with really cool with being on the road all the time? Well, you know, our bass player just got married, which was awesome. Yeah. He's been dating his girl for a long time. 
would have been a dummy not to marry her. Um, <laughs> so he just got married, but it's, I, I, wonder, I say that like, he just got married, man. It's because it's all changed. No, it's not. We, we're all just, we love being on the road. And, you know, of course you miss people back home. You know, yeah. I miss my girl when we go on the road. And, you know, I miss like walking around barefoot in my yard and yeah. my own coffee machine. And, you know, you get sick of truck stop coffee, but yeah. it's just a different way of living. I, and I, I need both to survive. Yeah. Or to like feel content. I need time in the studio. I need time on the road. Yeah. And I've been lucky enough to get both. So that's great. And it's great to have people around you that do think in a similar way and understand what you need, especially because you're a driven guy. Yeah. Who's, you know, you're ready to make the hustle happen. Well, yeah. Man. We also know that, hey, you want to have a place to come home to. You got to get out on the road. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, you got to get, get out and work and get out behind the merch table and meet the people who support you and give them love and, sell what you believe in. So yeah. that's kind of our model. So talk about, because when you guys go out with an ACDC or a Guns N' Roses, I mean, let's talk about the business side of it. Uh-huh. So are you kind of relying pretty heavily on merch or is it well, kind I'll of be a honest, mix? I'll be honest with you. Merch at an ACDC show was pretty horrible for mm. us because they have 24 merch stands, Yeah, one of the most identifiable logos of all time, probably 15, 20 carts selling devil horns for 15 bucks a pop Mm. and keychains and bottle openers and blankets and bed sheets and posters. So it's, I believe on that tour, we were allowed to sell one t-shirt and one CD from like one or two merch stands. Yeah. So that tour was more about the exposure for us. It's our club shows where it's our crowd, where it's Mm. our room, where we can do well on merch. So but, you're not going in freaking out and saying and, and throwing a fit about it. You're like, hey, I'm in front of all these people. Yeah, there's no point in throwing a fit about it. It's, uh, yeah. you know. Yeah. You're reaching 100,000 people. They're doing in a such night. big business and that's their priority. And they treated us so well too on that tour as far as like, we got three shows with them to start with and it was sort of an audition to say like, if Angus likes you after these three shows, then you can do the rest of America. Mm. And so after the third show, we didn't hear anything from them. And so we were kind of sweating bullets. You know, I know my girl flew out to Denver, which was where the third show was. And I remember the night before the show, my like my palms were sweaty. I was going like, well, if Angus hates us, like how are we going to go on? Because yeah. ACDC is one of our favorite bands. And so after the third show, we stopped one of the production guys in the hall and said, have you heard anything? Should we show up to Fargo tomorrow? (laughs) Do we need to make travel arrangements? And he goes, well, we ordered you guys a drum riser. And so we thought, okay, well, that's probably a good sign. And then Angus's wife stopped us in the hall and she goes, you didn't hear? Angus decided after the first show that he wanted you guys on the rest of the tour. (laughs) And so we were just like sweating it out because no one had told us. And so then... After five or six shows of going for it every night, that was this was our first time in arenas, yeah. mind you. So we're just soaking it in. We're trying to be sponges and just learn as much as we can. And, and what were it, what were some of the big things you learned from that? Um, I'm sure that's just like a college education. Oh yeah, I mean, well, it's one is watching. I think it goes to say, like any band we've ever toured with, we've tried to watch. Like if we're supporting them then they're a headliner for a reason and pay attention Mm. and learn what you can. So watching the way Angus works the crowd, man, he gets the people up at the top of the room. It's the simple songs. It's the woes. It's the stuff they can clap to. It's the, just like we kind of, I don't want to say dumbed 
down, but we simplified our set mm-hmm. in a pretty big way because a lot of people hadn't heard us. So rather than come out with some like, I don't know, really intense, complicated jam, let's come out with something that they can clap to or that, that the girls can shake their butts to and that yeah. they can sing whoa while spilling their yeah, spilling $12 their dollar beer on themselves. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's one of the things that we learned and, and also just... How does that manifest itself in terms of simplifying? Are you, are you literally changing your songs or just playing songs that are Both. easy to sing along with? Both. Yeah, I mean, there are certain times where it's like, hey, you know the whoa that that happens in this song? We're going to open it Open the song with it. That way, they can know it. You know, they by the time it, it gets yeah. to them, they're gonna know. And it's stuff like that that we just never had experience with. You know, it's we need a show intro. We need to make some walk on music. Yeah, and we need to work with the front of house guy and the lighting guy so that our banner with our band name comes on right as we hit the big downbeat. Yeah, and that way it sounds like a bomb going off and we get everyone's attention. Yeah, because it's you know. It's Otherwise, it's same. just trickling on, and yeah, yeah, and so it's it's all about just capturing their attention because when you're an opening band for a band that huge, you're essentially the plastic wrap on the CD they've been standing in line outside the record store to get. Yeah. They want it; mm. they are gonna rip you off, and you are an afterthought that they mm. have to sit through. So you have to get their attention and make it worth their time. Wow! You know? So, and even whenever they offered us Europe. They said, we've had openers come out and get booed off the stage. The crowds are much larger. These are people who've seen the band 20, 25, 30 times. Yeah. Mm. So we want you guys to know that you will get stuff thrown at you. You will get booed. And so we said, bring it on. Let's take them on. You know, every last wow. one of them. And we didn't have any of those experiences. That's wow. awesome. But I think it was because America had, the arena shows had up. been preparing us. <laughs> yeah. And we we went into it like, Ready to fight. It wasn't like, here we are. These are our songs. Yeah. Hope you like them. Yeah. <laughs> like, here like, I am. We're here to grab you by the back of your neck and, you know, make you watch <laughs> us. Yeah. So, so, and it seems like that has become a pretty big place for Tyler Bryant fans is Europe. Would you mm-hmm. say that's your focus right now? Yeah. Well, on that tour, we booked club shows on all our off nights. Yeah. We had a couple of off nights. Super smart, by the way. There, but yeah, it, was, it was pretty full on. And so it was ACDC show. Say we play London, Olympic Stadium. Mm-hmm. Big sold out ACDC show, 60, 70,000 people, whatever it is. Next night, we're in a 300 cap club. Mm. And I can say from the stage, we're playing in a club tomorrow. It's our first headlining show in London. You guys come out. Yeah. And then the room is full. You know, yeah. and to me, that was a pretty, and even in markets that we didn't play with ACDC, you know, like we would go to certain places in Spain where mm. we, you know, we played Spain with them, but we didn't play. We're playing like three or four hours away and, yeah. and we show up and there's a line around the building. And so it's, it just kind of goes to show that they're not as radio based over there. Yeah. yeah. It's more word of mouth. People. Yeah. I don't know. It seems very loyal. Like the, the, yeah. they seem like if they're into rock and roll, they're loyal to that, and they show up for the bands, and they show up again the second. Like we went back and played a few places again, like Paris, and we did London again, and it, and I see a lot of the same faces, and yeah, yeah. it's like I know I'm going to see those people when we go back too, because there's just a, I don't know. I just felt like there was a really good connection with the European audience. Yeah, 
is there a mentality shift when, like, like you're saying, one night you're playing big arena or outdoor stadium or something, and then the next night you're into a club? Like, is there like a headspace change going from just the different venues? Like, what's it like coming off of a huge arena and then going into the smaller club? I honestly, for me, it's not different at all. It's just a show, you yeah. know. The the one thing about there being a lot of people is for me, it's easy to get distracted. Yeah, because I would I would look out and just have a thought like. That's a lot of people. Yeah. That's more people than I've ever seen together in my whole life. Oh. Like, and then yeah. and then all of a sudden you're thinking, and that's yeah. the last thing I ever want to do while I'm playing with the shakedown is think. Yeah. And so it's, I don't have that issue in clubs. Yeah. It's a lot easier to just kind of get to it. And there's a lot more crew guys on the side of the stage. It's just a lot more to sort of catch your attention. So I guess that is the difference It's just, continuing to immerse yourself in the music and what you're actually there to do and not get caught up in the hype of it. Mm. So what do you feel like your biggest struggle is right now as a band trying to make it, trying to take over the world, if we'd say so? <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. It changes every day, honestly, you know? What's uh, your biggest struggle today? Well, it's it's pretty early. It's like <laughs> nine thirty in the morning or something like that. Come on, man! I've been up for four hours now. <laughs> no, I think the biggest struggle today is figuring out what we're gonna do with the record that we just made. Mm. And if you would have asked me a month and a half ago, it was how are we gonna make a record? Yeah, because we just got out of our record deal, so there's obviously not a label advance to fund the album, and it's an expensive process to make an, an album, especially a good one. Yeah, and so. We ended up calling in every favor that we could have ever called in. We rented some gear from friends. We borrowed gear from friends. Yeah. We transformed my house into more of a studio than it already was. So now there's, you know, a bass cab in the yeah. shower and Marshall's in the kitchen. <laughs> Cabling ran everywhere. Exactly. There's a snake here and a snake yeah. there. And, Audio um, snakes, hopefully not the, not real snakes. We actually, uh, <laughs> we do have a real snake. <laughs> really? You just yeah. scared me right there. <laughs> our, our drummer, Caleb, is really into reptiles anyways. So you have one in the house? Well, we did. It just moved. Okay. It just moved to his uh, With, with his the guy house. or on its own? Uh, with, with the guy. <laughs> yeah, his, her name's Josephine. She's a little uh, a spot, like what? I'm going to forget what she's called. Uh, ball python. Yeah. Oh, okay. She's great. So yeah, she, there were a couple times where she's crawling around the pedal board in the studio, just slithering. <laughs> I'll show you some. I'll, I'll show you some pictures. Yeah, she's cool. She's pictures. never she's never gotten anybody, but um, <laughs> not, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Ain't over yet. <laughs> she's size, sizing Caleb up, but uh, <laughs> Caleb's a drummer of the band. For all you listeners. So, anyways, but yeah, I mean that was the biggest problem two months ago. Was all right. We have to make a record because we've got you know this Guns N' Roses tour coming yeah. up, the Aerosmith dates, whatever. We need new music because the last time, that was the biggest frustration. That was the problem before that is yeah. we've got a world tour and we can't convince the label to put out more than an, a six-song EP. Mm -hmm. When we turned in a full-length album that we really believed in and that we're playing the songs from live, mm -hmm. so therefore fans can put videos up on YouTube, therefore they know the songs and they want to buy the songs, but they can't because yeah. the label is so concerned about getting a radio song and they, you know what I mean? It's, it's, they're playing a different game, which is cool. Yep. Uh, but it's not the same game that we're playing, which is create music that's true to you, give it to the people who want it and can get something out of it. And so we got out of the deal and we're like, all right, well, we're making a full length album. We're trying to get the 
the rest of the record back yeah, yeah. from Republic that they haven't put out. They're pretty cool, so hopefully we can figure something out there. But the the last struggle was figuring out the record. We figured that out. We figured out mixing. Mm-hmm. That's being done right now. We've That's got great. like four songs left to mix. I'm going to go there after this. And then it's it was figuring out artwork. We're working on that. Yeah. And now it's figuring out when it's going to come out. And then it'll be figuring out press and mm. promo and All the American th- tour. <laughs> and it's it, there's always just... If it's not one thing, it's another. So, And speaking of releasing it, we, we've been talking to a lot of people lately who are really embracing Spotify and a lot of digital mediums. Do you guys have plans to do physical copies, or have you thought about how you're going to release this? Yeah, we've been kicking around a couple of ideas. You know, we're obviously big, you know, we love classic rock and yeah. classic records, and I collect vinyl, so yeah. we'll, we'll definitely be doing vinyl. I know that, you know, Spotify's been great for the shakedown, and, you know, obviously we're going to put it up on all of those mediums and put it up on youtube and yeah. what, what you know whatever the the children are whatever the kids are running to these days i had the problem the other day where we finished all the tracking on the record and i was like this is done we're gonna be done with this now yeah let's put it on to a cd and drive around and listen to it but nobody had a cd player yeah. <laughs> it was like i was gonna say a blank cd would be just as hard for me to find these days too. yeah so I, I found a whole stack of blank cds which i was shocked by but then it was how do I play this? And couldn't yeah. find a way to play the CD. So <laughs> that's how much times have changed. I, I right think there. that's something to definitely take into consideration when we're figuring out what we're going to do with physical product. That was something that we had a hard time with Republic. They were telling us it was like something like ninety something percent of their artists don't do physical product. Oh wow! A period anymore? That's period, a yeah. huge percentage. Wow! I don't know how accurate that is, but maybe that was just someone at the label trying to get us not to. They do just didn't want CDs, you to do but, it. <laughs> it was like none of none of our artists do physical product anymore. Yeah. And that's how we sell CDs at the merch table. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Especially we're a live you, touring band, you know? Yeah. Just as you were saying, you have in Europe, especially a band like ACDC with so much loyalty and stuff. Those fans are going to those shows and they're buying physicals. And oh, a yeah. lot of the, especially that classic rock sound, it's all about having the disc or the vinyl Absolutely. and putting it on and just enjoying the experience. Oh, yeah. So as we're kind of wrapping up, you talked about an interesting angle and we've never heard anybody say it like this. We always ask, if you could go back to the 15-year-old you before jumping into all of this, what would you do differently? I like that you said, would the 15-year-old be proud of what I'm doing today? Right. That's pretty cool. Well, yeah, I mean, I've I've had that conversation a lot of times where, because I, I grew up, like, I met this guy named Roosevelt Twitty when I was 11 who sort of started just showing me records, and he became my best friend. So he'd pick me up from school. He'd put in a John Lee Hooker cassette, and he he really taught me how to love and appreciate music. And he played with so much feeling that music became this sort of sacred thing to me where it's like I saw like the way that he sort of extended that gift to me changed my whole family for the better. It changed me for the better. So I realized there's a lot more to it than just succeeding and mm. or because he he worked at Campbell Soup for 19 years was a bus driver in Kansas City you know like he didn't do it professionally but he did it in such a way that it changed my entire life yeah. and so I wouldn't I probably would have ended up with a job in my small town of 1700 people I wouldn't know what it's like to walk the streets of, of Prague or I wouldn't you know to me I have to constantly remember to take care of this thing because no matter like what quote unquote level of success we reach with it there is a kid who will 
get on a train from somewhere in Spain to come watch you in Paris, yeah. France, and we'll sleep on the street because they didn't have enough money for a hotel. And, and that was a real thing that just happened. Yeah, right? and it, yeah. and that's sort of like a one of those reminders. This can mean something to someone, so you you have to treat it as such. That's why we have to make sure we write the best lines that are true to us. Why we make sure the notes make us feel something, and and that's I think when you're like when a baby learns or when a baby starts screaming, they're not hurting their voice because they haven't learned to use it wrong yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it's like whenever you first heard music how to make you feel mm. and i think it's important to try to like keep that and protect that you know not necessarily change but step back and and at least acknowledge why yeah and and just try to keep keep the gift protected <laughs> yeah that's well good said. yeah tyler that's bryant from tyler bryant and the shakedown here on the full circle music show thanks for stopping by yeah, yeah thanks, absolutely man. thanks for having me Hey, what's up? This is Seth Mosley. And this is X O'Connor. And you've been listening to the Full Circle Music Show, the why of the music biz. This has been a production of the Full Circle Music Company with editing help from Jordan Salamone and some elves too, right? There's a lot of elves out there, actually. I hear them scampering as we're speaking. We had elves specifically help with this one because it's too much rock for any one person. too much rock. We had to soften the blow a little bit. That's so. right. But uh, anyway, <laughs> we'll look forward to seeing you next week. And oh, make sure you're following us on our YouTube channel. Yes. I've been talking a lot about Instagram lately, but I've started a vlog. I don't know if you knew that or not. I did, and I've watched it and enjoyed it. X is probably going to be on one or two or three. If you guys are lucky. Shortly. So subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can search Seth Mosley's vlog. You can search Full Circle Academy. That's been really fun to do. It's kind of like the raw, unfiltered version. Not explicit. Unfiltered. (laughs) There's a difference. (laughs) Large difference, but still extremely cool. So this is the raw, unfiltered thoughts of me and some of our crew. So if you're interested in that, check it out. It's at our YouTube page, and we will look forward to seeing you next week on the Full Circle Music Show. Have a good week, guys.